Yes, indeed. We are ready to go. And dare I say, as we release this latest college basketball coast to coast, this is it. The month of February is over. And then we've got the month of March as this week gets underway. And we cannot wait on the nation's college basketball show. Thank you for finding me. I am merely TJ Reeves. I try my best to keep my sanity. I'll tell you who's going to really help me keep my sanity. A couple of guests in a couple of moments. Chris Dobertine is back blogging the bracket.com and all the bracketology for the SB nation uh, family of sites. Look forward to talking to him about his new bracket release out Tuesday, some midweek games, etc. cetera. Uh, in particular, Chris has already given me a quick preview. It's a mess. It's a mess between the four and the six line in his bracket. Who are the last four in right now? According to him, who are the last four out or the first four out the last ones that are on the cusp? of maybe getting into the NCAA tournament. Does he have North Carolina in the field? Does he have my Memphis Tigers in the field? We're going to find out about two of those and more in a little bit with Chris. Then later on, uh, speaking of the American Conference, Houston is the Godzilla. Houston, a, a an overwhelming favorite to win the American Conference and even a favorite to maybe get into the Final Four in Houston. We'll talk with Mark Adams of ESPN, who has worked numerous ones of their games on TV in the American Conference. Mark also most recently worked the alma mater, da, 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 go Tigers, go. The Memphis Tigers victorious over Cincinnati this weekend. Mark will have thoughts on Memphis and are they a team? Uh, that we should be considering for at-large. Also, Mark and I will both be working, Mark for TV, me on national radio, the Horizon League championship game, automatic bid, one-bid league. This is Cleveland State, Wright State, Detroit, uh, Milwaukee, programs like that. Indianapolis next Tuesday night, March the 7th, as part of our coverage, the live channel on TuneIn, college basketball, coast-to-coast, seek it out. In the tune-in premium, you got to be tune-in premium and subscribe, but seek it out. Live coverage of the Horizon League on the radio with TJ. Mark Adams will be doing it on ESPN TV. We'll talk about that with Mark in a little bit. For now, thank you for finding me and my guests. However you found me, it's College Basketball Coast to Coast, wherever you get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe. We're out all the time. Uh, right now, we're going to be out at least once a week, if not a couple of times here, hitting into, heading into championship weekend, and then all kinds of coverage around Selection Sunday, the NCAA tournament. I love it. Follow and subscribe wherever you get podcasts, college basketball, coast to coast. Without further delay, my thanks to this guy for hopping on board. His latest bracket release is out. I love the insight of Chris Dobertine back again on college basketball, coast to coast, to talk the bracket and the field of 68 for the 2023 big dance. My friend, good to have you. All right. I'm going to begin the same way here that I'm going to begin with Mark Adams in the conversation. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you both the same thing. We've been doing this for a while. You and I together, mm -hmm. you, you've been watching this for yeah. a long time. Mm -hmm. It was not NCAA tournament first and second day craziness upsets, buzzer beaters, but this past Saturday was as nutty, crazy, dramatic and important as as what we have come to expect on Thursday and Friday of the first two days of the NCAA tournament. What are your thoughts about all that we saw? And, you know, it's extended into Sunday with, you know, Michigan forcing overtime against Wisconsin. And yes. then yesterday we had our first two conference tournament games of the season, the eighth on, and we're batting 50%, batting 500 in terms of having buzzer beaters. And close games, so you know, well, actually, both games were close, so so we're off to a really good start, and I think that that's really kind of what we really need to set ourselves up for over the next month plus, because you know this is really the most wide open college basketball season that I can think of. I mean, this yeah. has just been, I mean, with all the changes, especially with the transfer portal and all that, and rosters just being so radically different from year to year. This is the type of thing I think that we're going to expect to have not only this year, but in seasons, you know, along the way in the future. And we keep seeing upsets. We keep seeing crazy teams, uh, crazy road wins. And that's the thing. You got to be able to win games now on a neutral floor from here on out in the conference tournament, by and large. And certainly in the NCAA tournament, you got to be able to win on a neutral floor. And we see dramatic finish after dramatic finish with the road team winning like the Arizona State mm -hmm. half-court prayer that was answered. Florida State's huge comeback against Miami's a road win. The San Diego State late-night road win at New Mexico. I mean, just on and on with some of these different performances. So let's roll our sleeves up. Let's get into it. You have a new number one overall seed. I think I know who it is. I think it's Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Tell me more. 
Yeah, I mean, just kind of looking at everybody's profiles, the top six or seven teams that are really kind of still in the hunt at this point, you can't say no to a team that is 15 and five against quad one, 18 and five against quad one and two, has only played six games, period, against quad three and four, <laughs> which is again the strength of both, you know, Bill Self's non conference schedule and the fact that the Big 12 is just an absolute beast this year. But yeah, that's a record. I think that, you know, there's really not much of a chance. I mean, we kind of compare them, you know, to Purdue and to Alabama. And then Arizona, UCLA further down. And then, of course, Houston, who doesn't get as many quality games because of the American Athletic Conference. You know, uh, to me, it's pretty clear. And that sets Kansas up, you know, Des Moines first weekend, Kansas City second weekend. You know, they, they're in good position, you know, to possibly repeat and be the first team to do it uh, since my Gators in 2006 and 2007. I know all about those two teams. I was right there in Indianapolis and Atlanta for both of those wins. And Chris is still living off of that 15 years later and rejoicing uh, yeah. uh, on Joe Kim, <laughs> Noah, and uh, Al Horford uh, and all the others that um, that were able to go and get those national titles. And it doesn't happen that often because before that it was Duke, Duke. Uh, back mm-hmm. to back. And it's, I mean, it's a hard thing to do and there'll be a lot of expectations and it's a high-wire act, as uh, Chris, you know, so we'll see what Kansas has. Okay, so for the two-line and the three-line on your bracket, you've got some some moving and shaking. What's different about the two-line and the three-line on your bracket release as we head into midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Well, the two-line right now, you have two Pac-12 teams in Arizona and UCLA. And you could argue that UCLA should probably be ahead of Arizona, especially after Wildcats lost that game to the Sun Devils on Saturday. But, again, the committee loves those high-quality, top-tier, quad-1A wins. And Arizona simply has a few more of those than UCLA does right now. They're 5-0 and against quad-1A. UCLA, on the other hand, is 2-2. Two and two. Of course, they play each other on Saturday. You know, UCLA wins that game. Of course, they've already won the Pac-12 regular season title outright. You know, I think UCLA is going to be in good position. And, you know, if Purdue keeps on struggling – you know, one of those two teams I think is going to end up jumping into that fourth number one seed spot. After the two Pac-12 teams, you have Kansas State and Baylor closing out the 12 line. You know, after Baylor blew out Texas and took care of Oklahoma State last night, you know, they end up swapping places with the Longhorns, who are now the top number three alongside Marquette. UConn's back up there. Gonzaga's still there after they beat uh, St. Mary's on Saturday. And then we get into where the real mess begins. And honestly, the real mess doesn't begin quite until you actually get into the four line because the first four at this point is Indiana. And you could even argue they should probably be a three seed over, you know, Gonzaga. Especially after beating Purdue, sweeping I was them, just about to say, series. how much did that show you that they went to West Lafayette and won the game against a team that almost everybody believes should be a one seed? I mean, I know Indiana has had some slips. They lost at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. They lost at Maryland. But that's a man-sized Big Ten win late in the year to help bolster yeah. Indiana's seating, right? Absolutely. I think that they're pretty well set. I mean, you know, the committee had them as the top number four seed, you know, a couple of weeks ago. That's where I have them today. I think that they are there and they're, you know, primed to move up. After that, you have Tennessee and Virginia, two teams that are just – I mean, I think they're they're both kind of falling into that five or six trap. And, you know, maybe even the four seeds with the 13s this year could be at risk. And those would be two teams I've said it numerous times. I think, you know, if they get the wrong matchup, that's an automatic, you know, trendy upset pick. Xavier's right. the last four seed right now. And then you get to the five line and St. Mary's is knocking on the door. Had they beaten Gonzaga, they'd be on the four line right now, I think. Miami drops because you can't lose to Florida State at home. You just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they still have the ACC regular season mythical title, the number one seed in the ACC tournament up for grabs when they play Pitt on Saturday. So they still have a chance to rise up despite that. But your other two five seeds right now in my bracket are San Diego State and Texas A&M, which you would never have imagined, you know, just even, you know, two weeks ago, that'd be the case. Because all the teams behind them, the sixth line is Northwestern, Iowa State, who hasn't won consecutive games since January 7th and 10th. 
Creighton, who slipped a little bit. They've lost two of their last three. And then TCU, who's kind of coming up um, and is going to be a threat, I think, for a four or five spot if they can keep going in the Big 12 tournament. Um, that's really kind of where we are right now. And you, you will spend a lot of time just kind of figuring out which of those teams really deserves to be where because it's just an absolute mess. That's why we love this time of the year, and it does sort out. It sorts out from this past yeah. weekend, this week, and this upcoming weekend in the regular season. And then teams, we keep saying this, will greatly help themselves maybe in 36 or 48 hours by winning a couple of large games on a neutral floor. And, Chris, I know you know this, illuminated again, though, that can help you dramatically. Like in back-to-back yeah. games on a neutral floor, you can bolster your case and find your way in. You may not be able to lose your way out if you just lose a single game. Yeah. But if you win a couple, you might be able to replace somebody for a for a last four in and be in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, and that's you know the beauty of this, you know, the quad system is you know, you get more leeway for winning games on the road and on neutral floors. You don't get quite as much leeway as you do in a true road game, but it's still, you know, considering you only get top 30 credit for winning a quad one game at home you get you know top 50 credit on neutral floor that's a pretty big difference and when you're talking about you know conference tournament quarterfinals and semifinals you know that's going to be who you're playing that's exactly what you want love uh, what this man has to offer chris dobertine follow him at uh, chris dobertine d-o-b-b-e-r-t-e-a-n on twitter blogging is where you find all of his bracketology he's been doing this for over a decade with the sb nation family of sites we've had him on over and over and over again year after year as part of college basketball coast to coast i keep saying you put up with me you respond to my text message <laughs> my direct message you keep coming on you're gracious to do that are you ready are you ready to do this let's do this officially here we go Who's in, in or out, out for the big dance in March? All right, a little who's in, who's out. Uh, right now on the last four in, uh, how big was that half-court buzzer beater for Arizona State? You have them in right now in the last four in in Dayton, Ohio? I have them as the second to last team in right now. Um, yeah, because, you know, beating, uh, you know, a top five level team on their floor even if it is by a point you know the the, the selection sheet doesn't care about margin it just cares that you have the win there so you know they have a nice win at arizona they've beaten creighton on a neutral floor back when creighton wasn't doing so well um couple other kind of important bubble wins against michigan on a neutral floor um vcu even though vcu is probably not that large candidate they beat them in the same event um, they have probably, you know, one of the two worst losses um, in non-conference play this year, losing to Southern, again, by a single point in overtime on the road because of the Pac-12 SWAC series that started this year. But they've done enough, I think, at this point to kind of avoid that as long as they don't trip up. And they have a couple, and they're not going to get hurt metrics-wise this week, but they have two really good opportunities in playing both US, UCLA and USD on the road. And, you know, if they could beat USC in particular, that's going to go a long way, I think, for them. All right. Very interesting on them. North Carolina at the moment off the win over Virginia, followed up with a Monday night win where they were up big and then started coughing the lead up, but hung on and beat Florida State, who's not very good. Tar Heels in or out at the moment, Chris? They are still out, but barely. Ooh. Again, they're still they're still one and eight against quad one. It's going to help that they're going to play Duke, you know, on Saturday. That and getting that game at home, I think, is going to be big for them. Um, you know, they just have to win a couple more games, I think, because they don't have any bad losses. Their worst loss is a quad two loss at Wake Forest. You know, you know, it's not a team that's going to be in the at large picture still, but that's you know not a terrible loss to take. Um, computer numbers are still really good. They just need a couple more good wins, and I think they're going to finally be able to sneak in. Look, I didn't go to North Carolina. I don't lean that way. I don't live in North Carolina. All I'm saying to you is if they beat Duke, they're going to be in. Even with a even with a loss yeah. in the opening game of the ACC tournament, that selection committee, it's a subjective process. They will put them yeah. in Dayton. I'm not saying they're firmly in, yeah. but they will put them in if they yeah. beat Duke. So I think that's – yeah. And you agree with me on that. Let's see what happens I here. I agree, but yeah. 
Another another interesting one, Michigan, who you brought up tangentially a couple of times with teams that have beaten them. Michigan gets the big win over Wisconsin. They have a couple of other good, good, not great recent wins. Uh, you do not have them in at the moment, the Wolverines? Not yet. And, you know, we talk about bad losses, and really there are three losses for at-large candidates that kind of stand out. Iowa has done enough to, you know, overcome that home loss to Eastern Illinois. You know, a team so bad it didn't even make the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament. Michigan lost to Central Michigan on its own floor back before right. the new year. You know, and that's a team that's 318. But otherwise, you know, they've done what they need to do. You know, they're 9-11 and 11 against Quad 1 and 2, which isn't, you know, great, but it's not terrible, especially when you think about teams like West Virginia. You know, North Carolina's kind of in a, in a similar position. So, if they get another quad one win or two, they're going to be in position and they're, and they're playing so well right now. I mean, you think about just the way that they were able to come back against Wisconsin um, and then end up winning that game convincingly in overtime. You know, I think that that's a team that you want to kind of keep an eye on um, because outside of that one bad loss and, you know, they have a tie-breaking loss to Arizona State, as I said, um, I think they're going to be okay just based on the way they're playing and the way the schedule sets up for them. All right, a couple more here with Chris Daubertine blogging the bracket. We're playing who's in, who's out. Uh, Nevada takes a bad loss at Wyoming, a depleted Wyoming team that has uh, had injury. They've kicked guys off the team. That's, I mean, they had won three conference games, and Nevada lost to them late in the year. You still have them in, though, at the moment, the Wolfpack, right, late in the year? Yep, yep. I still have them barely in. Um, again, lots of other teams have worse losses than that one quad three loss they have. You know, they're still nine and seven against one and two, four and five against quad one. The only thing that kind of you know makes me sit back a little bit is they don't have great non-conference wins. Their best non-conference wins are Sam Houston State, Tulane, and Akron, which might be you know a problem if they had you know beaten Kansas State, who they lost to in overtime. Um, in the Cayman Islands, I think that, you know, that would have probably, you know, solved things. I mean, I think they would have been in at that point or with that victory. Um, but they're, I, they have to really be careful, though, as they head into the Matt West tournament that they don't get tripped up. And Boise State is another team that you have in your first four. At the time that we're releasing this, we don't know the result of a very important Boise State-San Diego State game mm. that could help them. And Utah State is also... Uh, lurking along with New Mexico. New Mexico's taken some damaging losses at the end of the year. You have mm-hmm. three Mountain West teams or four at the moment that are in. And again, what, can it get four, the Mountain West? Yeah, I think the Mountain West can get four. I have the three right now. I have Utah State ahead of New Mexico um, in terms of the pecking order outside of the outside of the bracket below the cut line. Um, Utah State, just the quality. They don't have the quality wins that everybody else does, but the metrics love them. And I think, you know, when push comes to shove, if they don't win the Mountain West tournament, but they still kind of are in that 30 net Ken Palm range where a team has never been left out of a tournament, you know, I think that they're going to be very interesting test case for the committee. One of those squads they might put in Dayton just because, hey, you know, we always like to have kind of a different type of profile here to kind of face up against another type of profile and see which team is really better. And I think that they really could sneak in based on that more than anything else. Well, and we got a Clemson team that you currently have in the, in the first four out the, the, the uh, cut line, but Clemson gets a win at NC state. We don't know the result of their game at Virginia midweek here. They're playing Virginia on Tuesday, but Clemson could be a team that could maybe play its way in again, that Boise home game with San Diego state. Do they play their win? Just cheer me up before we have to go. You and I, you have Memphis firmly in, or where do you have my tigers? I have them just above the last four in group there on the last four buys. They're the sixth team up wow. from the cut line. West Virginia is below them after, you know, West Virginia won at Iowa State, who is fading right now. Um, but Memphis, again, the big problem is, is just they don't have the quality games in the American Athletic other than, you know, getting Houston at home on Sunday, which is a gigantic opportunity for them. I think if they win that game, they're going to be, they'll be set.
I believe you are correct, and they won both games with Houston at the end of last year to solidify. Can they validate again this weekend at the FedEx Forum in Memphis for my Memphis Tigers? Bloggingthebracket.com is where you find all this info. Follow Chris at Chris Daubertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N. I always love your insight. Let me keep bothering you. It's about to be March, my friend. Let me keep bothering you here on College Basketball Coast to Coast, sir. We have mere hours. And in fact, if you're listening to this, it might already be marked. I love it, Chris. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, DJ. A quick word about our partners at Ticket Smarter. Are you getting ready for the stretch run in college basketball? Are you getting ready for conference tournaments all over the place? Uh, Whether that's the Big East tournament in New York, whether that's the SEC tournament in Nashville, whether that's the Big Ten tournament traditionally uh, in Indianapolis, whether that is the Big 12 traditionally in Uh, Kansas City, whether it's the Pac-12, which is now in Las Vegas, or the West Coast Conference every year in Las Vegas, or the Mountain West that's every year in Las Vegas. All these different leagues, conference tournaments, trying to get tickets, trying to go to the games, use our friends at Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. We want to make it worth your while, too. We want to give you a discount with our promo code. Use HOOPS23 and take $10 off your order. Whatever that ticket order is, there's no minimum spend right now. If you're getting tickets, use our promo code on Ticket Smarter's mobile app or the Ticket Smarter uh, website, TicketSmarter.com. Check out the selection at all these different sites, all the biggest games down the stretch of the season, too, in the regular season, and even once we get to NCAA tournament time. Use Hoops23 on the checkout. Get 10 bucks off your order right now with Ticket Smarter. They are intertwined all over the place with college sports, with college basketball, with conferences like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. And again, great ticket selection. Your purchase is 100% guaranteed. Utilize Ticket Smarter and the Ticket Smarter mobile app. And remember our promo code Hoops23 gets $10 off your order. Take advantage of it. Think smarter, Ticket Smarter. As promised, I am profoundly jealous of this man as he joins me on College Basketball Coast to Coast because whenever he is in my hometown, the place of my alma mater, the former Memphis State University, now the University of Memphis, although they were wearing the Memphis State Tiger blue and gray on Sunday, and he's eating Memphis barbecue without me. Hello, Coach (laughs) Mark Adams of ESPN and the family of networks and all the coverage. Good to have you back with me. Good to see my Tigers still winning. Good to see you, first of all. And it is now about to be March, which we love. Yeah, you know, DJ, you and I get to cross paths because we were in Indianapolis together last year. We've we've hit the Sun Belt together yes. over the years. And buddy Mark Wise is with you, who's like my favorite analyst in college <laughs> basketball. So you know, we have history. You got twin daughters. I've got twin sons. Although my twin sons are way too old for your beautiful daughters. I know. So anyway, yeah, but I know what you're going through with 15-year-old twin daughters. Oh, my gosh. I know. That's that's a whole different type of madness than March Madness. Uh, let's kind of go chronologically. Speaking of madness, uh, I, I've been doing this a long time. You've been doing this a long time. I know it was not March. I know it was not like the first two days of the NCAA tournament where there's 32 games. But that Saturday in particular – was as crazy good as maybe anything we have seen in maybe a decade of a single day with all of those finishes. Arizona State half-court shot, as you know. Three-pointer for Florida State to win it after being down by 25. Hello at Miami. How about San Diego State wins at the buzzer at New Mexico, and New Mexico Mexico really needed that game. I mean, Mark, this was just one crazy day Saturday. And really, you could even morph it in to Sunday with Michigan winning against Wisconsin. But this, give me some perspective, please. Am I overselling how nuts this was Saturday into Sunday? You know, and and the one that you didn't hit on was Caitlin Clark in Iowa. Yeah. Number two, Indiana. Yeah. I've become like this big Caitlin Clark fan. I watched her last year. I didn't know who she was. I'm channel surfing. I see Iowa. I see this floppy hair gal run up and down making shots and, you know, has a certain attitude about her you know the whole thing and i'm thinking i'm watching pistol pete maravich like I, that's the way it felt it felt she was different you know uh, or or, or uh, steph curry even i mean it was it was just it just felt different watching her play and then you know i get stuck in the airport in philadelphia headed to your hometown of memphis memphis by the way now why i have to go from cincinnati to philadelphia to go to memphis only american <laughs> airlines can explain that to me we right? gotta work on the travel situation oh, for the it's coach but you're in the philly airport watching what now this weekend so it was the it was the Iowa 
game. And I, the reason I was watching because Kevin Brown, my play-by-play guy, was on that game along with Robbie Hummel. And Michigan State, I mean, I talked to Kevin about it yesterday, and he said it was the craziest, wildest game I've ever been a part of. They're down 10 with 40 seconds to go. And, and he said it's not like Michigan State was missing free throws. They're trading three for two. I was going out, bam, two, two free throws. Bam, two free throws. Bam. Next thing you know, you know, it's a tie game and you're going into overtime at 101 to 101. And that's up to be 112 to 106. And then and then Arizona State going to Arizona. You know, I coached in the in the in the back end back then for a while. And to go into Arizona, you know, to, to get that win for, for Bobby Hurley, just a, a tremendous win for, for the Sun Devils, who now are very much in the NCAA picture. That was the other thing about it. Were teams that moved on one shot alone move to the bubble or even off the bubble. And then you have Florida State who's been horrible all year. And God bless Leonard Hamilton, one of my favorite guys. But they're down 25 at Miami, and I love Miami. I think they could be an Elite Eight Final Four team. Isaiah Wong, Norchad O'Meara, I love that team. And next thing you know, there's a bomb that hits, you know, at the end of that game. Like, was it Cleveland that hit that shot? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Terrence Cleveland. You know, like, they're all just coming rapid fire like that. So, it's great to be a part of it. I've enjoyed every second of it. And look, and you and I are the most blessed guys in the world. We get to be a small part of it. Yeah, we get to have fun talking about all of this. Let's go backwards just for a second. Has Tom Izzo, when is the last time an Izzo team gave up 100 points in a regulation game, if ever? I mean, we got to keep looking for that answer. It defies explanation. Uh, as you mentioned, Iowa hit five three-pointers in the last 55-0 seconds of the game to yeah. force the overtime. Uh, incredible uh, with that. So you, you just don't know right now in college. But do we do, we don't know. I mean, we think we know with Alabama and Purdue and Houston, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, but we really don't know, do we? And that's part of the charm of March and what we're about to embark on. Yeah, it really is. It's been so much fun watching the revolving door of number one. And you talk about sharing the wealth. I mean, uh, look, this has been a socialist uh, society and uh as far as college basketball goes, the socialists are running rampant. Everyone's getting an opportunity to be number one, then not be number one, and then somebody else comes in. Uh, you know, I do like Purdue because I think they've got that X factor in Zach Eady. I don't know that they're enough at all the other positions, but he's he's so hard to defend. You know, and again, depending on matchups and things like that, I think Purdue's really good. Uh, Alabama, I don't know how they're going to navigate this whole thing along. You know, with the murder and the gun and the Miller and I mean yep. it just blows my mind how that's been handled number one and you know I don't I don't really don't want to go down that path but I will say this you know I can't tell you how many times I've had discussions with players that said like okay it's midnight and you're out you're doing something when did you think that decision was a good decision at 12 30 at night you know I mean I had that, those conversations and I've suspended players for those types of, not that type of thing, but just being, mm -hmm. not making good decisions type things. So anyway, I don't even know what their roster is going to look like when we come right down to it. I love Houston. You know, I picked Houston in the preseason, win it all. I didn't just pick them to go to the final four. I picked Houston to win it all. And, and I think they've done everything they can to convince me that I'm still right. Now, Dayton, <laughs> on the other hand, well, I also picked for the final four. They have convinced me that I'm dead wrong. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm hoping they make a late season run because I love my Flyers, but I, I think I might have missed on that one. And then UCLA, what a job Nick Cronin has done. And, and you know, I mean, Hawkeye is, is as good a player as there's in college basketball right now. And, and then you got, you know, their little point guard running around. And, I mean, they're, they're just so much fun to watch. I, yeah. I really enjoy watching UCLA. Tiger, Cleveland, and Hawkeye are the links to the Final Four team of a couple of years ago. They grind, they play defense, yeah. uh, they got an experienced bunch. It's interesting to watch them out West. Uh, and again, like, you know, with Purdue, they would appear to be, but Purdue takes their lumps at Indy against Indiana, who swept them, yeah. beat them the other night in West Lafayette. Right. You would you would think maybe Alabama, but Al Alabama ends up getting beaten by 30 at Oklahoma recently and takes yeah. another loss in the SEC at Tennessee. I don't know that we know the intrigue of this is every which direction. I love Mark Adams' insight. He's letting me lean on him. 
All right, let's go chronologically first to what Memphis did most recently on Sunday. You saw them with Cincinnati. And I'm trying not to have any PTSD while I'm here with Mark Adams, but you got to understand my senior year is 1992. Yes, I'm becoming that old. And you know where I'm going with this, where Bob Huggins and Nick Van Exel ended it for Penny Hardaway and company by beating them four times in the same – beat my Tigers, Mark Adams, four times in the same season, including in the conference tournament title game and in the Elite Eight game to go to the Final Four. But that being said, the Tigers recently now have Cincinnati's number. So you saw it up close and personal. Kendrick Davis, the transfer, the former SMU player, the former American Player of the Year, is now in the fold for Memphis. You watched them at FedEx Forum Sunday – what does my alma mater look like, and what are their tournament prospects look like? Well, first of all, not not to pile on, but I was with Perry Nelson also yesterday, <laughs> the radio voice for the UC Bearcats. He took the charge on Penny Hardaway in one of those big wins. Stop by the way, it! The deal Stop it! Yeah. So anyway, I, I, just I think out. I had just gotten beyond this like about <laughs> six months ago, and it's thirty years ago, and now we're bringing it back up again. I see Nick Van Exel in my yeah. nightmares, yeah. but in any but, event. But huh. recent history recent is Memphis history. is Memphis good against against yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah, Memphis is is really good, and and it's, it's been really fun for me to watch Penny Hardaway as a head coach because the narrative was well, he coached in high school, but can he coach in college? And went down a path of recruiting guys who were very high profile, very young, very selfish. One of the hardest things to do, especially as a first or second year coach is to build culture with a bunch of guys who have their eye on going out the door versus shutting the door and working hard in that gymnasium. And so I've watched Penny best as a coach, and, and I've seen tremendous, tremendous strides. I mean, coming out of timeouts, he runs really good stuff. He's a master full-court pressure coach. I'm fascinated, Jay, by what they do. I asked him about it yesterday before the game because – they run and jump you. They'll go one, two, two. They'll trap you in the 94-foot situation. Then they'll wait for you to come across half court. You know I mean? They do so many intricate things. And I asked him, how do you manage it? And he talked about when he played as an AAU player, his coach gave them freedom to make their decisions as to when and where they trap based upon personnel on the floor. So an example would be if you got a non-shooter on the left-hand side of the floor, why not trap on the right-hand side of the floor? Because even if they reverse it, you're not going to get beat. Things like that are going in their thought process as players. And they dominated Cincinnati defensively from a turnover perspective. Cincinnati had more turnovers than they've had all season long. And most of them were live ball steals. Last time I checked, I didn't look at the final box score. I think Memphis had 12 steals yeah. in that game. 12. You know, so what they've done there. And then you look at Andrew Davis. In, in a fight for player of the year with Marcus Sasser, but I'm going to make a statement. This, this should sell your podcast right here. Mm. He's not the best player on their team right now. That Memphis is, Davis, Memphis's Kendrick, best player is not Kendrick Davis. You're saying it's not Kendrick Davis It is Deandre Williams. Andre Williams is their best player right now. Over the last 12 games, Williams has averaged over 20 points a game. He's averaged nearly 10 rebounds a game. He shot over 56% from the floor. He's averaged three and a half assists per game. He's blocking shots. He's making plays. 50-50 balls are his. He has been the, the, such, such a great energy giver to this team. And he brings an edge to that team that they, they had in the past, didn't leverage in the past. And Hendrick Davis, one of his greatest strengths is that now he realizes how well DeAndre Williams is playing. And he's given DeAndre space to make those plays. Look, I think Ken, Kendrick Davis will either be the player of the year or in second player of the year with Marcus Sasser. I'm telling you right now today, DeAndre Williams, he's the octane in that offense and defense for Penny Hardaway, and they've done nothing but get better all year. I'm going to make make a statement here, and I'll shut up. The first thing I thought about Memphis when I've seen them the last two years is selfishness. That's the first thing I thought of when I watched them play. Now it's unselfishness. That's what I think when I see Penny Hardaway's team play. And he went old. He wanted to go old, built this roster. Brought in Frank Haith, who's been a, a a great add to that staff, an American Athletic Conference championship coach from Tulsa, and that has been a marriage made in heaven. It's been fun for me to watch. Your your Tigers are really good, and they could make a run in the tournament.
Well, let's see. Got to get there first, and yep. they're they're right on the cusp. They got a Houston game looming as their regular season finale, yep. as has been the case the last couple of years in the American. And then they have the tournament on the neutral floor, which Mark will be part of broadcasting early round game of the American tournament in Fort Worth, Texas, to also come. Don't know if Memphis and Houston play there. So that's the segue to Houston, who yep. you've seen a couple of times, including uh, recently. Tell me more about the Cougars. Tell me, you've been a believer all along, as you yeah. said, in predicting them to, to go far. What reinforces that to you about Kelvin Sampson's team? I've I've lived with them this year. I mean, I've done more Houston games probably than anybody else uh, in the country would be my guess. And first of all, Kelvin is an elite coach. I mean, he is a Naismith Hall of Fame coach. Over 700 wins. And what, what was a curse turned into a blessing for Kelvin Sampson. And, and I, I admire the way that he handled this. When he was on the NCAA show cause for the phone call deal, which we're not going to talk about. It's, it's crazy what happened to him. But he went to the NBA. He spent six years in the NBA with the Bucks and with the Rockets, San Antonio Spurs. I mean, he, he learned from the best during that time. And I coached with Kelvin. 89 to 91 at Washington State. We coached against each other from 82 to 85 before that when he was at Montana Tech as head coach of Rocky Mountain College. Look, he's always been a great coach. Now he's an elite coach. And it's because of the sabbatical in the NBA. Out of timeouts, nobody better than getting the ball in the right player's hands at the right time. As far as defensive positioning and rotation, PJ. I took pride in my defensive footwork. I, I coached defense specifically at Washington State. Okay? They are so much better than we ever could be at Washington State, and we were a good defensive team, but very elite. And the reason why I think Marcus Sasser is the player of the year by comparison to anybody else in the league, look, we know his offensive prowess. He shoots almost 38% from three. He averages 17 points a game. He, you know, he, he basically gets almost two steals per game. He is a lockdown mono mono defender. He has the best feet at deflecting the ball away from the basket of anybody I've seen in college basketball. That's why, to me, he's the player of the year because he's a two-way player. He's great offensively. As good as he is offensively, he's even better defensively. And that's what the average fan won't see as they compare numbers and things like that. Jamal Shedd is such an unsung hero with this team. I was talking to an American Athletic Conference coach here over the last several days. And I asked him, who is your player of the year? He said, you're not going to believe my answer, but I think it's Jamal Shea. Now, that's high praise. And this is coming from a guy, you know, obviously it's in the league. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it made me pause because maybe I don't appreciate that point guard. And being a Kelvin Sampson point guard is, is a fate almost worse than hell. All right? We're going to walk through hell in a gasoline suit as the point guard for Kelvin Sampson. And that's not going to be one day going to be every day. I've watched that process, okay? And so Jamal Shedd is now forged in steel. And this guy is so razor sharp on his game, his decision making, how he sets guys up. And then Juwan Roberts might be the most improved player. You know, I love Justin Gorm from a couple of years ago. Justin Gorm to me is the greatest offensive rebounding effort player I've ever seen. I tried in one game, he went to the offensive glass 43 out of 43 times hard. And I tracked it, whether or not he went or not. And and Juwan Roberts is cut out of the same mold and has become so good. And now he's getting like 20 points. It's like Fabian White in a way, just not as not as skilled. Harris Walker has the shoulders of a triceratops. He's a Brahma bowl <laughs> with dance slippers, with ballet slipper, slippers on. He's graceful. He bangs the three ball. Now, he's hit a little bit of a freshman wall right now. Believe me, he'll be just fine from tournament time. I mean, and then and then you got Jermon Mark, who's just been a guy that fits in. Ten points a game, six rebounds, five rebounds, four, four assists. There's loose balls. You know, then Emmanuel Sharp comes off the bench and can just flat out shoot the basketball. I mean, this is a really good team. Now, if there's an injury, it's a problem for them. Hell, last year there were injuries. Both Mark and Sasser went down. They still want the Elite Eight. Mm -hmm. so, Alvin Sampson's elite, her defense is elite, and the parts and pieces that are put together, they understand their roles, great leadership and shed, and they've got the best lockdown defender, I think, in the country in Marcus Sasser.
Well, again, a lot there on Houston, and rightfully so, because they're ranked number one yep. uh, again. Uh, I know you were in the building a couple of weekends ago, uh, and Akeem Olajuwon was there. Yeah. So first of all, did you cozy up to the dream? Because that is all-time royalty, not just for the Houston program, but we're talking about not just college basketball, but we're talking about NBA, one of the top 75 players of all time, uh, and, and a Hall of Famer. Did you get to cozy up to the dream a little bit? I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, I mean, it's really cool. I mean, he's literally 10 feet away from me. And I did get a chance to actually to talk to him. I did talk to Galen Robinson, by the way, mm -hmm. who's on my all-tough team at Houston. It was a great guard as well. Uh, I also got a chance to just sit down with Elvin Hayes. Mm. You know, Elvin was just two people down from me doing the radio broadcast. And it was fascinating, TJ. You know, he broke the color barrier along with Don Chaney. At, they're both Louisiana guys. And back in, in you know the 1960s, mid-1960s, during Jim Crow law days in Louisiana, you know, they break that color barrier. And we, we often romanticize that, but we don't understand really what that means. And Elvin told me a story about how he went to class and how professors wouldn't teach him, how students wouldn't sit next to him. And there was one, one young lady, a, a white gal, who was in the class and she would shake. She would physically shake. After three or four times, like Elvin was asking some of his friends, you know, what should I do? And they said, well, just ask her. And so he went and said, uh, ma'am, I understand, you know, I see you've been, you've been shaking. Why are you shaking? And she says, I'm afraid of you. You know, now think about that, how that made Elvin feel during that time. You know, again, we kind of romanticize it. It was not easy. No, it was very, very difficult. And especially so, if I can interject, especially when you're a 19 or 20 year old, yeah. we're not talking about a 30 yeah. year old or 35 year old yeah. having to deal with that. It was a different time, but I mean, the Houston program has such tradition uh, and yeah. they have even recent tradition now. And here's the, uh, you know where I'm going. The other special thing is the final four, by the way, is in Houston. In Houston and yeah. so I know that is right now a, a long way, a long way away for everybody, including Houston. But if we start taking steps in that direction and start seeing Houston put it together, that, that could be an even more crazy bananas type twist to the 2023 season that the Cougars wind their way to NRG stadium, yeah. like you've been predicting, but when, it, if it starts to actually get to sweet 16 elite eight, what a storyline that becomes. If they uh, can I got figure a quick it out. story for you before we yeah. talk about horizon league. Yes. So in 19, in December of 1982, I'm driving through Butte, Montana, where Kelvin Sampson, the head coach of Montana tech, right? I call him up. He's at his apartment. He's got this little apartment, like one bedroom deal. And I said, let's let's meet at a bar. I'm doing I can't remember what I was doing. Let's have a beer together. So we go to this corner bar. There's a million corner bars in Butte, Montana. So a very good Irish Catholic town. All right. So we go to this, this little bar and we're sitting there. We're having a beer. We're talking and enjoying each other's company. He's a, he's a little bit older than me. He's about seven or eight months older than me. And so but we're both 25, 26 year old guys. OK. And he turns to me during part of the conversation, says, you probably think I'm black, don't you? I looked at him and said, well, I, I guess so. You know, I mean, yeah, I guess so. And he goes, no, because I'm Lumbee Indian. He brings out his Lumbee card and he shows me. Okay? Then he says, Mark, I'm going to be the first Native American coach to win the national championship. 19, in 1989? 1982. 1982. December of 1982. <laughs> yep. How about that? And he has, and he has been around it. He has been around it at Oklahoma. He's been around it at yep. Houston. Obviously, and might have the chat. That's interesting. And he remembers yeah. that. And I'm sure you remind him of that. So, That's... So he does not remember that conversation because I asked him about that because I've told this story before. He doesn't remember it. But I remember it like it was yesterday. I'll never forget it. Yeah. And so let's see. Let's see if they can get in range and in anything that can happen season. A couple more minutes. Mark Adams, so gracious to be with us. It's college basketball coast to coast. And we're going all of what did you say? Utah Tech. And Rocky Mountain College. Somebody look up those results from back in yeah. the 80s Montana and give me some box. Montana Tech. Montana, Montana Tech. Tech and Rocky Mountain College. <laughs> and I went four and six against Kelvin Sampson, which I was pissed off at about but at the time. I remember now you told me this occurrence. before. Did you both coach in cowboy boots or only you in cowboy boots? You Just told me, me that. Yeah. You, you coached me, yeah. in cowboy boots. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, you gotta oh, yeah. give me Cowboy you gotta give me be, give me five bonus points for remembering that <laughs> as part of the as part of the story uh back in the day. All right, a uh, horizon league. Uh again, this is a one-bid league. It has been perennially uh with the different teams like Wright State or Cleveland State, 
Uh, Milwaukee has got one of the better teams, the former Wisconsin Milwaukee. Just call us Milwaukee yep. now. Uh, on and on. Uh, all right, so we come around to the Horizon League Championship. Will be this time next week. Uh, early in championship week, you and I were privileged to be on the call, you doing ESPN yep. and me on national radio on tune in yep. uh, for the Horizon League comeback by Wright State. Wright State down 16 points against Northern Kentucky in the second half, came roaring back to win in the final minute. This is a very competitive. Here we go again with what's going to happen in this thing. Yep. Because while Youngstown State, Mark Adams, and Cleveland State are at the top, you've got contenders, as I like to say. Yeah. You've got Northern Kentucky. You've got Wright State. You've got the Milwaukee team. You've got Detroit with Antoine Davis, the son of Mike yeah. Davis, the coach. You have got some interesting storylines, and we don't know how this is going to play out semifinals to championship game, but we're going to have a lot of fun in Indianapolis, are we not, putting a yeah. team in the NCAA tournament? And this is a league, too, that rarely does the number one seed get to the championship game. <laughs> almost I mean, never. Almost never. Almost never it does. And they yes. set it up with every advantage for the number one seed to get to the championship. And it just, I mean, I love the way they do their tournament, but it just doesn't happen very often. Right. So, yeah, a lot of parody. I'm, I'm really excited to see the Penguins of Youngstown State. I hope I get to see them. Jared Calhoun has done a great job with that program. Dan Peters was the head coach at Youngstown State. When I was at Central Connecticut, we were in the same league together. So I used to go play at Youngstown State all the time. And, and you know, it was just, just one, of those, one of those places where I enjoyed going, mainly because I stayed in a hotel that was haunted. It doesn't exist anymore. And I'm glad we're not staying in a haunted hotel in Indianapolis. It'll be a lot better being in Indianapolis than Youngstown. What a line. And by the way, the Horizon League has named Jared Calhoun as the coach of the year. They've named Antoine Davis as the player of the year. Um, and again, Take your pick here because, I mean, Youngstown yeah. State has been right up at the top of the league and they went and got beat badly by Robert Morris on the road at the end of this year. We saw we saw a Milwaukee team that had won like eight or nine games in a row. They lost to one of the bottom teams in Green Bay on a last-second shot. Anything can happen in this tournament. So, again, a lot has to play out, semifinals in the title game. But Mark's going to be on the call on TV. I will be yeah. there with him. Uh, in Indianapolis for the Horizon League Championship. And just one more way to say it, there is nothing better than watching these kids celebrate. I see you nodding, getting yeah. into the NCAA tournament. That's what's on the line for a lot of these mid-major and small-major conferences. This is the dream. And the yeah. dream gets realized when you win that game and you cut nets down and the confetti's falling and you're going to see your name on the Sunday night selection show, right? You know, uh, I wear that mid-major moniker it's a badge of, of, of honor. Uh, over the years, as you know, I, I, I love being a mid-majorologist. I, I love watching. And, you know, I do the American all season long. I don't I do not do the semifinals and championship game in the American. And people ask me, like, how do, how do you feel about that? Well, you know what? Uh, I'm better, actually, at the Horizon League. I, I'm better doing the Sun Belt. I, I'm better doing the Northeast Conference. You know, that's where I belong. I've always been you know, kind of a, a mid-major guy. I've always been a small college guy in my own mind as a coach. And and so it's a great honor to be part of the Horizon League. They treat sure. us so well, PJ. I mean, they, the coaches, the players, the administrators, they bend over backwards to help you and to make you feel comfortable and excited about their tournament. Uh, they don't have to make me feel excited. I am honored to be there as part of the Horizon League championship. You know, this man has done a, a tremendous job with a lot of those mid-majors. I still remember it's an indelible image in my brain, and a lot of people will recall this. You were sitting there when Austin P. one year won the Ohio Valley Conference oh. Tournament, and Dave Luce, the coach, is next to you in tears. And yeah. that is what it is all about for a yeah. myriad of reasons. He was in tears that night, but there, I mean, there are tears of happiness, tears of oh, joy, yeah. tears of sadness. Sometimes when you don't win, it's what this time of year is all about, but especially in these mid-major or small major conferences, they know, Hey, yeah. I, I'm going to get to go play in the NCAA tournament. That's what yeah. is on the line. If you win it. And it's a really cool thing. It doesn't get the old. Stories, does it? The stories that we get to tell. I just got goosebumps. I actually had forgotten I mean, I, I'm sure I would remember real quick about Dave Luce and his granddaughter had cancer. Yep. And, and that was, and you saw it, PJ. I, I said, I said, Dave, look in that camera and, and tell your granddaughter what you think right now. Oh, yeah. It, it was just, I, I just bumps just thinking about it. And those are the stories, right? Yes. That's why we do this. We want to tell those stories. So many fans today think players and coaches are avatars. There are people, there are people with families. 
they, these kids have great stories of coming back from great adversity. And it's our honor to tell those stories. And I'll never stop telling those stories. That's what I live for. Love it. All right. Uh, this man's going to finish out the American slate in the regular season. We shall rendezvous in Indianapolis for the Horizon League Championship game on Tuesday night, March the 7th. we got to notify the Indiana authorities that you and I are on the way uh, for this yet again. I always love this. Thank you for the time here. Knock them dead. Continue to do a great job with all the work here at the end of the regular season and into championship week. Thank you, Coach Mark Adams. I appreciate it. Thanks, TJ, for thinking of me. You're a good friend and a, and a good dude. I'll see you in Indianapolis. So there you go. Plenty of insight, plenty of information here on this edition of the program. It's about to be March. Great stuff from Chris Dobertine of bloggingthebracket.com on his bracket, who he has in, who he has out. A lot of great games uh, midweek, as we keep mentioning, as all of this unfolds Tuesday into Wednesday. Again, you're going to know a lot of those results here in the midweek. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens on Wednesday night with Xavier at Providence. Uh, for example, you've got... Um, a couple of other interesting games in the um, uh, Big 12, Texas at TCU, uh, a big one as well on uh, on Wednesday night in the Big Ten for Northwestern at home with Penn State. Thursday night, Michigan, who we were talking about earlier in the show, is at Illinois. Michigan, as according to Chris, still needs that game at Illinois. It would help them greatly. Uh, Purdue at Wisconsin, also in the Big Ten. Uh, Memphis can't slip up at SMU in the American Athletic Conference for that one on Thursday night. Also in the Pac-12 Thursday night, as he mentioned, Arizona State uh, or Arizona is at USC. Arizona State playing UCLA, and Arizona State might need another win out of UCLA or USC to get themselves in or do they do something as well at the uh, Pac-12 uh, tournament in Las Vegas. All right, so we're good for now. By the way, let me promote also, not only off this podcast, College Basketball Coast to Coast, find once again the TuneIn channel, College Basketball Coast to Coast, the live channel. We'll have live conference tournament games, Big South Championship game, Sunday afternoon, March 5th, UNC Asheville is the number one seed. Will they even be in that title game, though? Upsets do happen for the Asheville Bulldogs. Uh, let's see what happens in the Big South Tournament in Charlotte. We'll be live Sunday afternoon on TuneIn and the College Basketball Coast to Coast channel. Make sure you're subscribed up. Make sure you're hearing us there. Also, on Tuesday night, we will talk Horizon League title game live. And again, this is the conference with Youngstown State, Milwaukee, Cleveland State, Northern Kentucky. They will battle out in Indianapolis. Semifinals Monday will have the championship game Tuesday night as Mark uh, Adams and I were just talking about Tuesday night, tune in the tune in premium service. Look for college basketball coast to coast for the live broadcast again of the horizon league championship game. That'll be the eighth time I've been part of the horizon league championship game on uh, that title game Tuesday night from Indianapolis, whomever ends up. Somebody goes to the NCAA tournament out of the Big South, out of the Horizon League, and all these games for championship week. And obviously keep it locked in here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Follow or subscribe wherever you get podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, all of them. Make sure you're following, subscribing. We come your way with great content all the way through March. Selection Sunday. First and second round games, the, the opening weekend, the Sweet 16 Elite Eight weekend, and all the way through the Final Four will be live at the Final Four in Houston as part of college basketball coast-to-coast -coast and our coverage and the live channel on TuneIn. For now, for Chris Daubertine, for Mark Adams of ESPN, I'm merely TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us. Enjoy all the games midweek. We're back soon with college basketball coast-to-coast. -coast.